This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey everybody, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. This is episode 291 of the Ask Gary V Show. I'm super excited about this. Uh, we have somebody who I've gotten to know very well in my professional career in the last uh, last decade or so. Somebody I admire quite a bit from afar. And, and really, really interestingly, and this is fun for me to say and it's fun for me to say with you in the room, I think I, I'm starting to get on this kick of saying nicer, saying things I believe that are nice about people to them because I don't think we do that. Oh, that's nice. You'll like this one too, I think, Beth. I admire you so much through the eyes of others. It's amazing, you know, we, because of the circles we run in, for a lot of, even entrepreneurally and author and personalities and, and corporate collide into people that um, we both know. There's a lot of people that we both know. Yeah. Uh, a, lo- a lot of them I'll meet for the first time or things of that nature. However it gets brought up, over the last five or six years, the one thing I've noticed is the way people talk about you behind your back with no vested interest is awesome. It's like I so dream about that's what's happening with me and so maybe that's why I take notes. Wow, that's nice to hear. But you're at the top, if if I came out with a list of like top people rankings that are (laughs) having nice things said about them behind them back with no vested interest, because people say nice things about people but it's a move and I can't be tricked so I know when that's happening. A lot, thus, it makes me like you even more than I like you by myself. That's nice to Because hear. I know Thank it's you. consistent regardless of the scenario. So that's the intro yeah. I want to say. You've got a new book, coming. I didn't ask you, coming out? out coming out. What? Coming Sep- out? It's coming out Tuesday, September 18th. Amazing, so here we are. And thank you for the blurb. Thank you for asking me, I was super flattered. We're gonna get into it in a minute. So Beth Comstock is, uh, in my opinion, a, a dynamic force in communication, executives and just human. I'm gonna let her do her. I'm glad you added that part. You got uh, Beth, if this was the, you know, if this was comic book number one, who are you? And I'm talking like I was born, in, like who are, what is you, give me three, four minutes. I love context. I think it frames up everything and I'd like to get three, four minutes out of you on like who you are, like from coast to coast. Yeah, well I like that. You know, I was born because I grew up in a small town in Virginia, and uh, my parents came from West Virginia. So, you know, we talked yeah. with a Southern accent. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the upbringing. Like a West I, Virginia accent yeah, is real. Yeah. No, my um, great uncle started a newspaper franchise in West Virginia called the West Virginia Hillbilly. So I have real deep hillbilly roots. That excites uh, me. So there you go. So. Um, but I grew up in Virginia. Yep. My parents uh, moved there. Uh, small town, as I said, small town girl. Um, it was a great place to grow up. I mean, it was nurturing. My dad was a dentist. My mom was a school teacher. It was real good. It was. A, it was. In, <laughs> I have a brother and sister, and I just. I. That was my world. Yeah. Um, yet I feel. I felt like I wanted to see the world. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm Mike from Team Gary V. Today, Gary and Beth dive deep into topics like emotional vulnerability and self-awareness. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss the career advice that Beth received from Diane Sawyer. I feel I felt like I wanted to see the world. Um, Did you read a lot? I read a ton. So it's interesting, you know, like, it's funny why I ask questions. I'm so fascinated by communication. I'm, you know, I'm aware that you're not 19, but you're also not 91, so you're painting Somewhere this, in the middle. Right, you're painting this picture for me and I'm like, okay, a woman of that generation in that scenario does is it is it born in you you're intuitively like i'm a big city girl or was it reading or or tv like the next if you said no literally i would have said to you did you watch the news a lot like did you think walter cronkite was cool like to me i'm fascinated yeah. by that stuff so go ahead yeah no i think that's a good question i mean it was two things for me i think it was reading i spent every summer like just devouring books love I, it. you know i loved every i loved fiction like crazy mm. and then for me it was geography i i loved i loved school but i remember fifth grade like i would get so excited about geography i just like filling in the map fill the map but like who are those people and okay. who what and i've recently joined the national geographic board and i'm so excited because it's like that fifth grader again it's that's like awesome. So that I think instilled in me there's this whole world out there and what is it? And my family didn't travel a lot. I mean, we drove everywhere. I think right. I didn't get on an airplane until I was um until I was uh, see, I graduated from high school. That was my first trip. Were my you mother, scared? I was scared. My yeah. mother was a school teacher as I said and she took me on a teacher sponsored trip to Europe. 
And um, it was on my first flight, and I was 18, and we could drink then, and I ordered a double gin and tonic. Yes. <laughs> and my mother was like... What the hell are you doing? Yeah, she was like, <gasps> I think she was just shocked because I knew how to order a double, double gin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All so that I remember helps. Exactly. I remember that flight very well. That's so cool. Okay, so what happens? You, you're a great student. Great student. I went to school in my home state, College of William and Mary. Yep. I, um, funny, I just found this notebook and when I was 14. I found my autobiography when I was 14. No way. There was not a lot to be excited about when did I was Did you take 14. pictures of that I did. and put it on Insta? I, I, ha- I haven't put it yet, but I took You have to I social will. media that out. I will. It was really Team. fun to That's see. That's real shit. Yeah, it was it's fun. But But what I, what I said in 14, my autobiography, is not, is I, I'm ambitious. I want to be 50 different things in my life. And I said, I want to see the world. So even at 14, I had that sense. Wow, the 14 of your, the 14 year old version of you nailed it. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> no, yeah. you really nailed it. Yeah, although Super I did cool. say I wanted to be a lawyer at one point okay. in those 50 things. I, I, I We've all been done one that. Day. I think I said Did you ever want to be a lawyer? No. I know I wanted to be, a, I've only found one thing ever that showed me, my whole life I thought I wanted to be, you know, businessman because it really was early for me. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, but I was devastated. I found a picture of me in kindergarten and said I wanted to be a cowboy. And I was like, fuck. But didn't you maybe grow up to be a cowboy? Listen, (laughs) interpretations are fun. Um, Okay, very cool. So you went to school, then what happens? Then I go to school, I studied biology, thought I was gonna go to medical school. But what I really wanted to do as I got into it was I wanted to be a science reporter. Interesting. So because I was a biology major, I tried to take more writing classes. And were, they, you, were you like really into TV? Uh, I was into TV, yep. but I wanted to just report. And so... But, but you wanted to report on TV. I did want to report on TV. So there's a fun dynamic there. Knowing now enough about you Monday morning quarterbacking, it comms, communicate. Like, like that's an interesting part because I think some people made the like, like default into vanity and I default into scale. Go yeah, ahead. I just, I mean, to me that I, because I, I grew up watching TV, I was a kid of TV, but sure. um, my first job was my last year. Real quick, and I apologize. What was your favorite TV show as a kid? You think? Oh gosh, there were so many. I and hey, rattle off a few because this will be fun for me personally. This well, I was a kid fun. who watched reruns after school every day. Yes, so these me were, too. you know, like I Dream a Genie, yep. Gilligan's Island. The I don't best. know, like they're all from the fifties and sixties. No, I, I, by I the lo- way, I watched both of those. I shows. I loved those shows, the Brady Bunch. I mean, all I those kind of things. I loved those. I was I my core thing, coming after school reruns, Three's Company. Uh, uh, the Facts of Life. Oh, no, I hated yes. that one. <laughs> oh God, The Facts of Life was so good. I, I hate Charlotte Ray and the, yes. oh, I hated the Tootie. Was just, it Tootie? Okay, you're a really good TV person. <laughs> this might divulge. Beth, we better stay focused here because this might turn into an entire podcast TV of trivia? TV trivia. I don't know. You might. I can't. Win. I literally was about to say Tootie. I think Charlotte Ray just passed away. I think she did. Yeah, yeah she was he, a good okay. character. Okay, so you wanted to be a science reporter. So I wanted to be a science reporter. Mrs. Garrett, for everybody out there, that that was the character. Um, but so my. Real first, quick, Beth, I'm sorry, I'm very health of skelter. I know everyone's mad at me. Do you know that Mrs. Garrett first appeared on Different Strokes and that spun off the facts of life? No, I didn't know that. Bam. I didn't know that. Just step it up here. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then my first job was I was a senior in college and I worked in public radio. I worked in the local public radio station in Norfolk, Virginia. And I remember going home to my hometown and have, was spending a day with the migrant apple pickers and they were singing beautiful songs as awesome. they picked their apples. And I was just smitten. I wanted to be a storyteller. Wow. So then I tried to work my way and I had no confidence. So my first job, I went to work um, covering the Virginia House of Delegates for like C-SPAN of Virginia in the day. And I did everything. I worked behind the camera. I learned to register camera. I learned to edit. I was in front of the camera. I was like a Jackie of all trades. I and um, and I tried to get my first job. I apologize, real quick, team. I need a Jackie of all trades <laughs> T-shirt made. I'm not kidding. Right now, this is gonna be the most meta thing ever because I'm gonna wear this in four months, like on a flight. Somebody's gonna see it and they're gonna be blown away that it exists. I'm not kidding. Make it no, Caleb. I want a Jackie of all trades t-shirt made. I want somebody to draw it. We have that skill. See, get Caesar on it right now, he's gonna kill it. I want a Jackie of all trades t-shirt made and I'm going to wear it. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna see that. You want, I, let's go I would like one too, thank and you. And Molly too, three. And I'm not <laughs> kidding. I want it to be rare because I'm gonna sell mine on eBay one day. Three t-shirts, Jackie of all trades, Molly, Beth, me. Jackie J. 
Well, it depends J-A-C-K-I-E, on... J-A-C-K-I-E, I think. I don't know. You know, Jack of all trades. I was the Jackie of all trades. Jackie of all trades. T-shirt. Women's cut for them. Like, you know, these are gonna be premium. Like, yeah, no bulk, no bulky thing. Yeah, no you bulky. You want a men's cut? Because yeah. you're gonna know, No, like, I, I okay. like, you want I like, okay. no, I want women's cut. Yeah. You want, okay. Two, get sizes. You know what I love about this? Somebody's gonna see your name on the podcast and they're like, like, they're, like people that don't follow me, they're gonna see that and be like, oh, I wanna listen to that. And they're gonna be like, I, they definitely didn't think that Mrs. Garrett from the Facts of Life <laughs> and a Jackie Ball Trades t-shirt conversation would be going on. No, I didn't either. This is I not necessarily either. the format. That is, okay, go ahead, Beth. No, anyway. so, so one story about trying to make it as a TV reporter was I lacked confidence. Yes. Um, and I, but I also had a resilience at the same time. So I was working in Richmond, Virginia, and I finally had a tape, because as Jackie of all trades, I did get to make a tape every now and then. I got to interview a few members of the House yep. of Delegates. So I, I made it a thing to send my tape to the local TV station. It was Channel 12, Richmond, Virginia. Love her. And... The news director would never take Look. my call. Yep. He would never do anything, yep. but I called every day. I called every day at about lunchtime. I would call him. Love. And finally, after about four or six months, he said, he picked up, they finally, he picked up the yeah. phone. He goes, listen, you're never, I'm never going to hire you. You look too young. You have no experience. Why would I ever hire someone who looks as young as you? Really, you're, yeah. you're, you're not going to make it in this business. And I was devastated, but after that, I, I like was speechless. Like I'd never yeah, had anyone yeah. speaking. Right. Like, but after that, it was like this this sort of anger grew up in me. I was like, "You don't know me." Did you say that, or did he hang up? I hung. He yeah. hung up, and I hung up. But I was. Yeah. I, I was. By in the way, shock. I get it. I get it. I, I look at me. I'm a character, and I've had those kind of moments. So I get that. So you hang up, and you went quickly. Did you go? I'm very curious about this question, Beth. Did you go sad? for the day, for lunch, for a week, for a month, or did you literally go sad to that place in your head? No, I went sad the- for a couple of days, probably cool. weeks even, because okay, I cool. like sucked my this thumb. I was like, because again, I didn't have a lot of confidence, and I was like, well, this guy says I'm never gonna name? make it. I call, ended up calling him Mr. Rant in my head. I'm sure I could go you back and his find name. his name. Can no. we find his name? Uh, I'd ha- I would have to do Can some sleuthing. Yeah, I don't Team? know. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> but Mr. Rant is what I called him. And um, and it just grew in me like, he doesn't know me. He doesn't Love define me. And so that always was pivotal to me because this re- this kind of rebel, this, re- yep. this resilience, like, I got to show Look, you. Look, this is a really interesting time to say something. Beth and I have had a really nice professional group. We haven't, we haven't had that much time. Like, we're both so busy and da 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 it's really interesting. Literally, as you're telling this story, this specific piece, I'm like, and that's that. Like, literally, up until this moment, you're kind. Think about how I introduced this. Literally, until this second, like, literally, now I'm like, oh, this is why we still. I've met many executives. There's lots of executives. Like this kinship towards you that I've never really fully. I've actually, up until four seconds ago, always leaned on kind. Uh, this you being pissed the fuck off. You should talk to. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, but I, I I understand the mac. I'm sure plenty of people. You know, the macro is the macro. The this thing is the thing. Yeah, but I I I mean, you're making me remember that whole time of just trying to get started in a career. I, I from there, I find I I sort of worked a network. My um my dad was helping me trying to like get Good. people he knew, and we we were a small town. Yeah. He did two interesting things. One, when I was still in college, he um, he had a patient who, he was a dentist, yep. and he had a patient who was a CBS News producer in Washington, which was about two hours away. I'm sure he got him in this like lock hole with yeah. like, his molar like, yeah. threatening and he's to like, pull and it now. out. And he's like, my daughter wants to get into television. What can you do for her? This guy said, well, I work with then Diane Sawyer, who was a young... A young reporter at the State Department, not the Diane Sawyer she came to be. Did you know who that was at that point? I think, bear, honestly, I really didn't. And so I got to go and shadow her at a day at the Get State Department. the fuck out of here. Yeah, and she was so incredibly, she was just starting out. Yeah. She had just gotten back from Chad or something. But I, you know, I would look for those little moments. It was just a fluke thing that. Jump in here, and, you know, I can, this is how I helter-skelter, like, and then, of course, you've gotten, you've met her. No, this you, is. Hold on, real quick, because this is getting more fun by the second. No. You so threw me for a loop. Are you telling me in the last twenty years you've never run into Diane Sawyer? And I have, but I've never said hi to her. You are. <laughs> Call Diane Sawyer right now, <laughs> guys. Beth, this is you know, no, guys, it's embarrassing. Real quick, real quick, team, clip this. Give it to me. I'm tweeting at Diane. This is going to be huge. 
You've you've seen her at events or not? Because I grew up in media. I got it. I got it. I I never worked at ABC. I I did work at CBS. I worked at NBC. NBC. I I worked at CNN. Beth, help me here because this is getting more fun. Beth, how many times have you been in the physical same room or conference as Diane Sawyer? Tell the truth right now. How many times? I've been in a conference with her at least probably two or three times. And once I had this sense that I was going to go say, remember, you would not remember this, but you made a big impression on me and I lost my nerve. You would have made her. Do you no, understand? I don't know. I, I was. No, so- no, I'm saving you time. <laughs> you would have made. Beth, you are such an all time accomplished executive. No, but, I understand. I got but it. When but I met, but no, you're I, not a dummy, meaning you're aware of what you've accomplished. You would make. I basically think I'm living my life right now trying to do as much for all these young people on one thesis. In 29 years, some crazy successful people are gonna roll up on me and be like, one tweet you made. Like, I can't wait for Beth Comstock <laughs> to come up to me and say, you made, Beth, this is crazy. I know, I know. Well, I didn't see her like, I saw her like mid-career, let's say, but I was just too, I've like, I don't know. I was just like, what do I say? Like, hey, you. You say, hey, Diane Sawyer, <laughs> do you remember in 19 something, you know, I shadowed you and, and I think the biggest question is, she's, you're right, to your point, she'll probably not remember. Uh, or she, no way, or she, she might, remember. because you might, like, here's where life's awesome. You might have said something weird. I didn't. Or, fair enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say anything? No, I was such a good girl, like, No, no, when quiet. I say weird, I apologize. I use funny slang, I use words in not the right way. You might have said something that caught her attention or started a thought, or maybe that day, later at home, something uh, happened that made, you remember, maybe you were wearing blue shoes and something yeah. with blue, like, Maybe. You have you know you now have to do this, right? Yeah. I you know do. the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, I do. You know that how many people are watching live on Facebook? Good. Can the three hundred and fifty people on Facebook right now tweet both Beth Comstock and Diane Sawyer and tell them what's going on right now? Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she had great advice for me when I met her. She is told, that true? Yeah. She said, because uh, I was like, I want to be a reporter. And she said, well, here's what I want you to do. I still remember, because this is the impact ah, people like you have best. on Keep going. young people. And so she was like, my brother was graduating from high school that night. And she said, okay, here's what I want you to do tonight when your brother's graduating. You have to have perspective. You can't go and think it's your brother. You have to assume he's not your brother. What, what, what's he doing there? What story are you telling? And I, again, like that two-hour session just meant the world to me. That was awesome. Yeah. So... And okay. I never, I never, I never, but that was a pattern We've, for me. Good news, we fixed it. Yeah, we it's did fix right it. Now. Let's yeah. keep fixing, go ahead. Tell me more on this pattern. <laughs> well, Get no, I mean, that. this one I put in the book go ahead. in the sense that I shared a very similar version of this when I worked at CNN for a year. You worked had, at CNN for a I year? I worked at CNN for two years. What years? The, it would have been ni- early 90s, and it was during the first Gulf War, oh, when, CNN. When that's, like for all the youngsters, that is the moment. That CNN is the moment. became CNN during the first Gulf War because it was 24-7, full access. It was almost the closest thing I could tell you to the internet. It yeah. was a 24... 24- Thank you for being my, my generation translator. Yeah, I'm trying to help these kids. <laughs> but so Ted Turner, who was at his day, the swashbuckling yeah. Steve Jobs of the, of the media world percent. at that day, they disrupted the, traditional media. Yes. And um, I did PR for on occasion for him, and I worked there for a year, and he didn't know my name. Okay. And so I decided I was going to change all that. And um, I finally got up my nerve. Chips on shoulders. So unlike Diane Sawyer, where I never said hello, I finally got up my nerve, and I picked the worst time possible. I I saw him going into the men's room. We were at the UN. Flat out. getting an award. He goes into the uh, men's room, and I go, now's my chance, Uh, as one does. And so he's coming out of the men's room, and there I am. And I'm like, hi, Ted. And he goes, oh, hi, in his southern accent. Mm -hmm. And he gives me this incredibly wet, Wet. slimy handshake. Keep going. And he kind of looked at me like, what do you got to say? And I froze. I kind of looked down, and he walked away, and he zipped up his fly. And he never knew my name. But it was that moment where I, I just said to myself, like, right. you did it. Like, yeah. I didn't care. You were pumped? I said hi to him. You were pumped. I was pumped. I love I this. was no longer, like, yep. I stepped away from the wallflower. Yep. I said hi. Yes. And I gave myself permission to get in there. Now and- I really want to help people in the world, not kidding. How old were you when this happened? I was 30. This is important. This is super important. I talk a lot about lately 18, 22, and 30. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, these are three, it's funny, these three yeah. ages are really playing with me. People are putting disproportionate pressure on themselves at these points in their lives huh. when we're still remarkably young. You are like a big deal to a lot of people and for them to hear a story that you were thrilled that you were awkwardly saying hello to somebody and that was the net accomplishment. There was no next conversation. There was no, he heard something profound from you and no, no. He, he didn't even hear my name. I, I hear it. It's unbelievable. Let me tell you about me at 30. I was packing boxes in a liquor store at 11.30 at night on December 21st because I wanted to get packages out for people the next day. This needs to be talked about that. It does. That. Why That's eight, your say 18 and 22, what, what's going on then? I, I'm just looking at a lot of my, yeah. feet, you know, I listen a lot. There's a anxiety at 18, 22, and 30 that is remarkably high to me. Uh, 18, I think you're making that transition into college. 22, you're making that, con- you know, or even if you're not going to college, you think you should be, or this and that. Like, yeah. They're just watershed moments. Yeah. The, the transition of graduation, you know, because, because regardless, depending on who you are, you've decided you're a grown up in all three of those ages, different than other numbers. 18, you're a grown up. I guess 21 could throw it, but I'm 18, 22, I'm a grown up. 30, holy shit, I don't have my shit together. I'm a grown up. Those three are playing with me. I'm packing boxes in a liquor store. Packing, I'm in the warehouse. You are thrilled that you, this is important, Beth, because people think they have to have everything figured out at 29. No, you don't at all. And you know what's happening? Bad behavior. Yeah. Things that lead to depression, things that lead to substance abuse, things that lead to bad relationships, things that lead to, uh, do you know how many people, do you know, Beth, do you know how many people maxed out their credit cards to buy Bitcoin at 15,000? No, I I would I'll tell you, a ton of people saw it go from, you know, you saw what happened, and they bought at the top with credit cards because experts, 100,000. And now I'm getting the emails because I'm me. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. do you know what paying 12% interest on 100,000 on a thing that's underwater? Like, why did they do that? Because they wanna buy a plane. Because they wanna be successful. Like, so anyway, I don't know, I'm sorry to, this is the purpose of this format for different stories. You, this is powerful to me, maybe I'm reacting to it. You, at 30, just happy to say hello. Yeah, and I, I bring it up because it is that moment where you're pushing yourself to do something you're not comfortable with. Yes. As a reserved, shy person, I realized I was standing in my own way, too. You know, I mean, I, w- I, I would go to meetings and people didn't know who I was. I'd worked with this guy for a year and he didn't know who I was. I mean, it wasn't like his, you know, I wasn't in yeah. his office every day, but... Like, you were in the mix. I was in the mix, but yet I wasn't taking advantage of it. And so there are those moments when you got to say, like, I'm holding myself back. And that Love was it. one of those moments for me where it's, you know, you're grabbing your own agency. Like, I got to do this. Good for you. And then the momentum built. And then momentum builds from there. And, you know, I, I've used that approach to getting over introversion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really the life of the party. Um, I'm, I accept that. <laughs> um, and I go to an event and, you know, everybody's meeting. Hey, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I'm the first one over by the chip bowl or at the back of the room. And I've had, that's another, or another place where I've had to say, okay, I'm going to go meet one person. Like, I would never probably have come and met you. Um, but I would go find somebody else who looked like they were okay talking to me. And you just, then the next time it's two people. Then the next time, then I'd say like, now I'm going to go talk to Gary Mm V. And, but that's after, you know, Mm -hmm. it's behavior modification. It's after 10 times, I'm finally the confidence and less awkward to do that. I love this. Uh, real quick, because now I'll speed up a little bit because I want to get the book and I want to answer a couple questions. So from CNN, give me, now speed up the episode one. So I worked I worked in a couple of different, I worked at CBS and I came back to NBC and um, NBC, I worked at NBC News. It was a formative job for me. I love that job. It was one of my best jobs ever. Um, the news division had undergone a real issue that they almost blew up the whole news division because of a scandal. Oh, really? And for me, it was one of my most, what I loved about it was entrepreneurial. And I think that was my awakening that you can be an entrepreneur in a big company. Good. And really kind of created a path for me. And um, then I worked my way through NBC, ended up going to GE. I got a call one day what from were Jack you, Welch. What was the last job you had at NBC? Well, I went to GE, came back a couple of times. My last job was I led uh, digital media um, at NBC and I oversaw ad sales and then new stuff and new things were iVillage and Hulu. So hmm. we had one that didn't go so well and one that went really well. Keep going, then Jack. And then I, well, before that I, 
I, I got on the GE radar and Jack Welch called me up to his office one day and said, I want you to come and work at GE. That was the last thing from my mind. Sure. I was going to be in media my whole of life. Of course. Why would I go to GE? Definitely not. And I mean, he was on his way up to Jack Welch, the icon. But yes. at that point, he hadn't quite hit the big time but and he was the he was ceo okay. and he, he had said he was gonna he was important the company was doing well but yeah. he was gonna retire in four years and in that four years i worked with him he really sort of became superstar ceo of his day um and i learned a lot from that opportunity but um what i'd say from that is i didn't think i why would i go to ge i i yeah. GE owned nbc but but there was just something I felt I had. It was an opportunity. I could see the world. I could learn something new. Was the see the world the big one for I you? think the see the world like, was, was that it. the one? I think that was yeah. it. And I remember standing by the elevator after I'd announced I was going to GE and one of my NBC colleagues was like, you know they sell light bulbs, right? Like you're yeah. leaving NBC to go sell light bulbs? Yeah, yeah, I get it. And I was like, yeah, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. I didn't know why, but that's always, I guess, a theme for yep. me. I kind of pick these things. Anyway, and so from there, I just spent the bulk of my career doing um, marketing and innovation work at GE, seeding businesses, pushing for change, and that became my thing. It's really cool. <clears throat> What's the book about? The book's about pushing for change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty consistent. Yeah. And what I try to do with the book is make it very personal and share stories early to mid-career. I'm really trying to reach people early to mid-career to say, you know, we've all had to start somewhere and you just got to get out of your way and don't ask permission and or give yourself permission and, and try to make change happen. I try to highlight the bad behavior that we all have to deal with at work when people want to make change happen and share my stories of things that didn't work, things that worked. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do with it. Hopefully um, inspire with the story, give people practical tools and um, we intentionally call it Imagine It Forward. It's about how we need people to fight for the future of our companies and make change happen. I love it. Andy, give us a quick question, since it is the Ask Gary V Show. Quick question. Um, hi, Gary. You and Beth talk about execution, creativity, taking risks, etc. How do we make sure our future generations inherently learn that failure is a stepping stone, since our educational <coughs> system lacks, education infrastructure lacks teaching us that? Your thoughts? I love that question. I would have written that question if I could have. And that's why the cover of my book has this wad of rainbow paper because it is about, there is a failure cool. message here. And I love this question because we're not doing that. I worry uh, just deeply about how we're educating our kids. You talk to any high school teacher, college professor, they'll tell you people, are, students are anxious about not knowing the answer, about having to be perfect. So I don't, how are you raising your kids that way? I, I tried to instill in my kids creativity, taking risks uh, as much as I could. I'm sure I wasn't perfect, but I feel like we don't do enough of that in our school system. I mean, I genuinely believe I'm the poster child in the other direction. I'm literally, make, I'm literally making, <laughs> making your videos. Making every day? Well, no, no, no. I mean, my kids, they're nine and six, so I got, I got a little ways to go, but I'll get to that in a minute. I'm, I'm literally making content on the internet that says fail on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I literally make content every day that says the reason I'm successful is because I failed my whole life. Yeah. I was a terrible student. I was told that I wasn't going to be good. Like nothing pointed to my success in the system I was playing yeah. in except for me and my mom and in my head. So like I, I shit on eighth place trophies. I hate I just posted yeah, a video. Do. I literally posted a video this morning that's that I knew wasn't going to do well called Fake Environments and left a comment and said I knew this wasn't going to do well because <laughs> none of you want to deal with this reality that if your parents pay just for your Uber, you're already living in a fake environment. Like I'm pushing. I'm about to get really unpopular because I'm going to write a parenting book that's going to make every single parent in America not like me. So I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> And so but what am what I do gonna do? do? Let me give you an example of what I do. I tell a five-year-old boy that he's not gonna be in the NBA when he looks at me and says he's going to be. Yeah. Which then is going to create a reaction. Maybe yeah. he is, I don't know, but what I'll tell you is it's highly unlikely. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not giving him that DNA. Yeah, but, or it does create this resiliency, Correct. right? It's the no, not Correct. yet stuff that I but love. But I'm definitely like, not gonna say, you sure are, little yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody did that. Somebody did what for you? I wish somebody said that to me when I was seven saying that. Because yeah. you thought? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Look, you as a, a parent. You're a player too. You're but good. You're good. He's really, I, and you could see it because when he plays with us or the couple times I've seen him play, he's rusty. Um, but you can see it's there. But the fact that this fucking kid who I've, 
if you knew the story of how this man is sitting here, like and how, like how, right? Insane, like how he, what he did to be here. Meaning, I gave a talk at Babson. How he kept reaching out. I, I challenged him by letting him commute for no money to Wine Library you for know, there a year. There are a couple people here who are like that. Have There's that a story, lot, right? Of is that kind of your hiring method? No, we do, we do a lot of different things. But obviously, these are my favorites. This kid had the ability <laughs> to make no money and travel to New Jersey from New York to work at a liquor store for a year. Like, there's a million things. But the fact that I know all these things about him that I think are remarkable. And the fact that he was that fucking delusional at 18 that he thought he was gonna be a basketball player speaks to the power of fake environments. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he spoke up like, and said, like, it's a big it's a bi- deal. I, a couple things on, to add to that. I think we, we need to put our kids and our colleagues in situations that they gotta figure it out. I used to have this fantasy that we would create a class at GE where I would send people to, I don't know, Akron, yep. and we'd take their cell phone away and say, yep. you gotta figure your way back to New York. I would like, dominate. how do you do that, right? I would like, dominate that kind of shit. Because we gotta, and with our kids too, we can't have them have all the answers. There's a lot and, of people here that, like, that's what I do to my team. I don't tell Andy, Andy I don't talk to Andy. Andy's, Andy runs my team. I don't even talk to him. Andy, do I talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I love, but that's the that's the future. How do you figure it out? And How it's difficult. Makes <laughs> it makes it difficult because he doesn't talk to you. Well, no, because talk. Like, yeah, because I have to lose and win on my own and learn. Yeah. And then if Gary doesn't like something, I'll hear. You'll about hear about it. it. But that's also the candor that you need, right? The and I'm super like I'm the like I deliver vinegar with like honey in and honey out, right? Like the way I manage is like, look, let's put this into context first. I fucking love you and cannot believe what you're doing. Now, real quick, what the fuck were you thinking about that dumb shit? And then like, and by the way, you're fucking killing it. Let's keep going, right? I'm doop, boop, boop. Like, but, because that's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. And But the failure thing you mentioned, you're putting it out there, but we, what, what is it? We like have this fail fast, fail small. Like no one really, you, you can't f- just fail fast and fail small. You have to take real risk. And I worry oh, that people- that's just to your point. I know, keep it's going. just people aren't willing to take risk these days. Beth, because we're living in one big fake environment right now, we bailed ourselves. We should just be coming out of a depression. Let's, let's really play. Yeah. Let's talk about America. I, can't, I don't want to speak. This is where I really know yeah. the answer to your question or your statement. We should just be coming out of a recession, a deep recession. We bailed ourselves out. Mm-hmm. The last seven to 10 years, this is my world now, and you're close to it because you were a leader from a corporate world, which is startup culture is where I'm going. Beth, we're still in the midst of a world where somebody goes to a liberal arts school, is wired into the ecosystem of wealth, pops out, never sold a thing or has a business bone in their body. And gets funded. Comes, (laughs) you're too smart for me. You didn't let me build it up. Literally comes up with an idea. Not only do they get funded, it's worth $4 million. You're 22 years old, you thought of something. 999,000 billion quadrillion out of almost every time, it's a bad idea. But it is now worth $4 million and people that are fancy and smart and Beth and Gary Vee give you money to go, I mean, we are in a fake, Fuck, this is why I've, like, look, you know, I mean, you're busy, but like, I've evolved quite a bit through yeah, the years. Yeah, no, you real have, like, it's the, been great to see. At the height of my career in Silicon Valley, I started an agency, let's start there, before even my yeah. evolution, actions, 2009, I have all the leverage. And I go start a client service business. All my Silicon Valley friends are, what's the matter with, you wanna talk about light bulbs? They're like, you can raise $100 million and make, to, you, what are you doing? To go, to go make picture, make tweets for Linda Boff at GE, like this is like this is what was going on in the backdrop. Yeah. I just wanted to be practical. I just didn't want a fake environment. I just wanted to operate. Yeah, I'm, I like the way you're framing that of the fake environment. I, it's I think interesting, that's right? A really good one. You know, and and why? Uh, you that know, way a lot in business too. I mean, this and is why. Look, the, look, you know where it really plays, and this is where in our little ecosystem, our you want to talk about our kids? You have older kids. Yeah. If you ask me, the biggest fear I have: fake environment. Let me tell you what's really going on. This is just deep and I wanna get this off because I'm so passionate, it feels like the right time to talk about it. There are people out there who have startups whose daddy or mommy is underwriting it quietly. The only two people that know sometimes is mom and the son. Not even the dad knows that they're kicking cash to keep it alive because the mom or the dad or the kid or the boy or the girl, they all like the facade that little Johnny's doing well. Mom's kicking cash because she wants her friends to think her son or daughter is the next Mark fucking Zuck. I mean, fake environments. And then kids complain, you know, kids complain like, my parents fucked me up, but then don't take the money. 
and I'm talking about the gym pass. Yeah. Like, if you want your parents to have no say, a lot of times kids, you know, I get a lot of family dynamics. Gary, I love you, you're right. I'm Fuck my mom and dad, you're right. I'm like, be careful, let's start over. Are they giving you money? Yeah, well then they have control. Then fuck you. Yeah. If you wanna go to Soul Cycle every weekend and you're taking mama's money and you're not earning it, guess what? Mama's in charge. What do people say back to you when you say that? Fuck. They're like, you know. They got you know, they're you like, know, you got me. Is that like, it? Yeah, it's kinda they're like, kinda you got like, me. damn it. I thought you were on my team. I'm like, no, no, I'm on the team of merit. If your parents are insecure and are making you become an engineer because it makes them look good at a cocktail party, they're bad. If you are mad at your parents for creating entitlement, but you're taking the cash because you want to go on the cruise with your buddies to fucking Ibiza, you're bad. I'm in the corner of the truth. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you Super really have grown a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I've just communicated a lot. If you think about it, in our first interactions, I was pushing social media's you, ROI in a way that nobody was. Yeah, I remember meeting you over breakfast in uh, at South by Southwest yep. in Austin. Yep. I think that was one of our first it meetings. Was. And just your passion. And it was like clear you just you were going to make this happen. 100%. I do believe that people, it was interesting, I was listening to you and I had that feel a little bit. There is no question things that I see every day that I'm like, oh, that person's legitimately gonna will this to success. Yeah. It's starting off as a sushi restaurant and she might sell diapers in Afghanistan, but that is going to work. Yeah, yeah. That was a great question, Andy, good job. <laughs> do it, do it, and I'll keep you up in a little bit. Beth, so your first, this is, this is not. It's my first book. It is, right. Yeah. It's a lot of process. work. It was a lot of work. I, I had know. a co-writer, Tal Rouse is yeah, my co-writer, so that amazing. was helpful. That number you have dialed is uh, go ahead. No, so I, um, it's just, it was a lot of, I, because it's a very personal book. Yeah. I, I you had got to, precious with it. Well, I, I just feel exposed a bit, right? So I'm nervous it, about it. I'm nervous yeah. because the I put you stuff had... out there that as a reserved person, it was, it was against my nature in yeah. some ways to be so yeah. open about yeah. things. I put failure in it. Yep. So um, it was a very emotionally draining book in that respect because I had to really dig deep to go like, what was I feeling? Okay, you didn't really handle that well. Like there, I talk a lot in here about some tension, especially with a couple people, and I had to go back. It was so easy to go. He, what you're saying, you he was a jerk. You. Good for you. But no, like who's this? Karen. Hello. Hello. Karen. Hello. Karen. Hello. Karen. Yes. This is Karen. This is uh, Karen. This is Gary Vaynerchuk. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, hi. I, yes, I, can, I, can, I, can, I think yes, you're you're, wa you're watching this right now, right? I can hear in the background. Yes, can you lower it? Oh, oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. 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 Hang on. Okay. I just. Okay. I switched it off now. Okay. Great. Like the the tone. Hello. Hello, Karen. Say hello to Beth Comstock. Hi, Karen. Hello, Beth. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Do you have a question for us? Yes, um, I'm here in Vancouver, Canada, and I am basically trying to advocate for mothers who are professional mothers, but who have been out of the workforce for a, a long period of time, mm -hmm. five, 10, 15 years. And Smart. they might have been um, mid managers or senior managers, and they would like to go back to work. And now the question I have is, on a corporate management level, because that's where I'm going next. How do I convince somebody what you were at GE? How do I go to them and say, there's this mom who was amazing. She doesn't have paid work experience in the last 10 years, but before that, she was brilliant. So how do I convince them to take a chance? Karen, I love this question, and I can also tell how hard it how hard it is. So, one, thanks for putting it out there. Um, one, I would start with saying what and you know whatever's happened over the past. It's not that you were brilliant, and then you went away ten years, and now you have to reestablish it. You're still brilliant. So, how do you package that? So, some part okay. of it is just packaging yourself. What what are some things you've been doing? Um, maybe there's some things you've been working at at your kid's school, at a community project that you could start to say, I've been doing marketing, or I'm a community organizer. So some of it is just packaging what you've been doing um, and letting people see those organizational skills or those promotion skills or operation skills that you have. 
That would be the first thing. To what Gary was saying earlier to his team here, um, I think you, you kind of have to keep bugging people. You have to sort of get in their okay. face a little bit. Um, and to the story we were talking about earlier, you got to, one, do some homework. Uh, do some, you know, look for companies where you see some of the, the leadership. Uh, in your case, maybe you'd look for some women leaders who maybe are moms. And maybe you'd find a conference where a couple of them are speaking and go ask them afterwards, like, hey, could I show you my resume? Is there someone on your team who could look at, look at it? Um, so try to do some homework and look for people who you think might just have a conversation with you and give you some feedback. Um, and um, the, the last thing I'd say is I feel better about corporate the corporate world that they're recognizing that there's great talent in mothers who've been taking care of their kids and not in the workforce. And so a lot of companies are creating job shares. I think with this notion of the quote gig economy, there's a lot more happening right. to give people project work. So maybe the first thing is maybe your first thing won't be to get a, a job there, but can you take a project on that would allow them to see what you're capable of on a project component and then it's a way to start to get them to know you and you to know them. I really think that's going to be the future of hiring anyway, where more of us in the corporate setting are going to be doing these kind of limited run assignments to see if we want to work together. Okay. Karen, I'm going to jump in here. Let me tell you what stands out for me. I think you need to focus on a couple things. One, as somebody who's been selling things that other people don't want to buy his whole life, the biggest thing, this is an important point that we need to tap into, Andy. Um, the biggest thing that I will tell you is do not try to sell somebody who's not sellable. Okay. When something that is so right, like what you're saying, like I've always been think, I've always thought I was so right, and, and, and history would prove me out right, and that's been my career. But the problem is that when you're selling something early, people don't see it. Right. You are so right. Like, like you're talking, I'm like, man, I, wanna, I want the next 30 people I hire at Vayner to be that because managing a family is a skill and a half that maps so well yeah. to people management is everything, like I'm in. Yeah, they're doing so many things at once. Yeah, so we've had conversations here about this because we think it's a white space. Um, but I promise you that an enormous amount of organizations, call it 99, aren't interested in what you just said. At this moment, I'm, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I just know right. the game right now. There's a lot of pushback. What most people do, and whether it's 90% or 70%, it's relevant about 99 to 70, but I promise you it's higher than anybody would like to think. It's the sad truth of the reality of the situation. Regardless of that, most people, when they are so right on something so right, get ideological. They go into, I'm gonna prove to that no that this is right, and they punch against a wall. Versus spending all their time to Beth's earlier point of finding the yeses. In a okay. And by the way, Beth and Linda Boff and Paul Markham were my yes in 2011. That was a big company named GE in a world that I looked around and they said yes to social and Vayner and made an enormous uh, uh, bet on me and so did Pepsi and Bonin and other, and many, many other, I, I didn't spend a second, and I, Karen, I did not spend a second pitching my services to anybody that showed signals to me that they were in the no business. I wasn't ideological. I went to where there was opportunity. Beth is unbelievably right and I will triple down on it. More homework on the people that are ideologically aligned with you on the importance of this. Like, do not get it twisted. It's a sad state of affairs. She's absolutely right that female leadership's gonna do a better job for you. They're gonna have more empathy. You're gonna have a character once in a while like me, cool, but you've gotta really look for that and you gotta look for my content that showed you that. I would live on LinkedIn and watch what people are putting out there and then focus on 13 to 15 organizations that have given you signals that they're open to this and get slowly but surely and then when you prove it out that it works at, you know, Google or Schmoogle or Corona or wherever, then you can start building on that case study. I am blown away by people spending all their time trying to convince the nose because it's like a fulfilled prophecy. Yeah, that's such, that's such good advice. I tried to build my reputation as someone who was open to anyone with a good idea. And I have people who would just call me with a great, send me a great email and I'd say, I wanna see you. I'm rare. Me too. 
I'm rare. Yeah. Um, but right. to your point, we are out there. A hundred percent. Okay. Karen, makes sense, right? Yes, yes. That is so helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> What, what what else should we cover? What what else should people know about this book? I really you know I really do want the Vayner Nation to go out and pick this up. I think this is going to be thank you. A yeah, I player. mean I'm really trying to give people a pocket of encouragement to just grab permission and make change happen. Don't wait for it. I, I, one of my quotes that I love in there is like, "Who are you waiting for to tell you it's okay?" Did the person you, did the oh, keep going? No, your mother. <laughs> keep going. Your well, your boss, your mother, Yoda, right? I mean, who are you waiting for? You're who Preach you're sister. waiting for. So yes. that's really the basic. And I just share little hacks of things I did. And what was the story in there that you said it, this one was on me? You see, you were starting to talk before we did the phone call about taking ownership, and when it was easy to say it was him. What? Give me the oh well, up. no. I mean, I I have a particular chapter in there about the last time I was at, at NBC, and it was a very tense time, and I literally had just real arguments with one of the people I had to work with and I share them in there and I share it in the in the book the person's yeah. name yeah and I, did they reach out to you not yet no but what I had to do was to go back and go put myself in his position mm-hmm. imagine him at the time the business wasn't doing well that's I right. looked like a competitive threat that that's they had, right. been, had been planted from headquarters that's right I was challenging uh-huh. kind of tradition with the cool kid approach uh-huh. to digital and I was coming in a bit like I'm Hot. the cool kid with all this these yep. digital tools Imagine that and me coming in there and I didn't have that perspective then and yeah. I wish I had. So that's some of what I was trying to do. And for you at this point and you've talked about it thematically through here, either you're born with it, it can develop, but once you actually tap into empathy, you can become unstoppable. Yeah. The reason I didn't get mad that nobody wanted to, and to this day, the reason I can deal with how much pushback I get because of my, I have to have empathy for, I have a specific personality type that on initial consumption is going to turn off people. And like, by the way, I, I need to say this, I wish I didn't. You know, I, I and I know, it's funny you reacted. My team, no, no, listen, you get all the pros of being a character, but what you lose is, you start to become disproportionately underestimated in your intellect. Nothing has ever talked about how smart I am. Like this is this is why. But you couldn't have built what you've built without being smart. Yeah, but it takes a while for people to like wrap their head around that, yeah. right? That's exactly right. But it takes time. Plus, you have to build it. So yeah. you have to eat shit during the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, to have the appetite to eat shit. Like to me, I like being. But doesn't it give you a bit of a competitive advantage oh. when people underestimate you? Beth, it's the greatest gift of all time. I, I manipulate myself. I continue to suppress my own success because I think it's that big of an advantage. Yeah, I, I think I can relate. I think as a woman in business, Absolutely. I had something similar in the sense of I had to work extra hard. I had 100%. But I also think as a creative person, that as well. I had to fight against that. But being a woman, I was perhaps allowed to be a bit more creative. And I think sometimes, in certainly in business world, creative men may have a harder time Interesting. expressing their I creativity. Understand. I think that's right. You know, it's funny. You know, I looked at a picture. You know, it's really interesting. I because I'm an immigrant, because I wasn't born in this country, because boy. Being Jewish in Eastern Europe, post World War II, my family's stories are just unbearable. Ten years yeah, in jail, horrible. like real shit. I've, you know, but it's interesting. I've always kind of leaned there. I gotta tell you, being an F student, like, like I, I, I tap so heavy into the underdog thing, and it just makes so much sense to me. And what I actually, what's so amazing is the internet, for real. No, like we, I don't think we've quantified this yet. It's going to bring such an advantage to people that deal with adversity on the come up and it's such a disadvantage to entitlement. Mm. Fake environments, you're in trouble. Adversity, you're gonna win because the platform rewards merit. Yeah. It's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna get real interesting. Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, meritocracy is not really, it depends on who sets the standards. And, yeah, and I, I think I've I just was, clued into that in the past few years, Beth, just as you, you see that. I mean, certainly the Me Too movement, women have been best. seeing this for a while. Who set the, the standards? I once did a panel with somebody out of Silicon Valley and he said, you know, we're not gonna lower our standards and that's why we don't have any more women. Right. And I was like, who set the standards? How do you know the standards couldn't be higher if you had more women? Uh-huh. But that's, this is why I tell all my, anybody who feels that they're being not, not at the seat at the table, AKA anybody who isn't an old white male, right? I basically say the same thing to them, like fuck them. Don't play their game. Yeah. Go create your own fucking game. You own it. 
the internet, go, go, like, right? Like, you're not getting money from venture capitalists? Go get money from high net worth individuals. Yeah, like, yeah. makes you more creative. Don't play the game. Yeah, yeah. Like, nothing, back to like some themes here, VaynerMedia was built on the fact that I didn't play the agency game. Like, I just didn't No, play. it's driven you, I think. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you, you know, I love that about you that you're still trying to disrupt the and there's not much left to disrupt for some of them but you're right that you're still like that hunger like I know a, a different and a better way to do it a hundred percent because it's very real yeah right like you're on the right side of history yeah and because I'm building this machine for myself yeah I you remember know? you like when you were trying to get more into advertising you're like just give me a shot just give me a <laughs> shot we're gonna our creative is gonna be the best 100%. and if it's not we're gonna come back and make it the best and you did like you just kept working it I don't think people appreciate Appreciate that is what it takes. I think that's right. I think uh, you know, I'm so glad. I, I'm I'm gonna wrap up here in a minute. I'm I'm just so grateful that you told that Ted Turner story. You can't imagine. I'm gonna clip that. I think you're gonna change a lot of people. I don't think you know. I have a very deep understanding of what's going on with communication right now. I don't think you understand. I'm telling you, you don't. You're gonna be so pumped because we're gonna talk about this in nine years. You don't know what that did. Wow. Okay. I'm telling you about this 30-year-old thing, Beth. Like, like I'm telling you, there has been such a broken mm, narrative. It's so interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. And I just pulled some photos of myself when I was 30 because there is something in my head about it. That was that story, but it's interesting you're saying that now. For me, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking 30 was a big year for me. And you know, you know, we got unlucky, and I'll say that you'll find it funny. I wish you were 31 or 32. I don't even, even narrow in on that. It's this. Almost everybody in this entitled environment thinks that they have to have everything figured out at 26, 29, 32, 31. Meanwhile, nobody has anything figured out ever. No, I mean, I was, I I had, I by 30, I had been married and divorced and, and had a kid and was working on my second marriage and on my way to a second kid. And I didn't know what my job was going to be. I came from a small town where we didn't have a lot of connections, right? I mean, aside from my dad with, you know, mm-hmm. the <laughs> producer with a molar and yeah. a grip hold, but... You know, you you you, yeah. you you have to get out and just try things and kind of be resilient. Love it, Beth. Thank uh, you for this. Yes, thanks, thanks for all Beth, the support. You get to ask Thank the question in this show. You get the guest gets to ask the question of the day. So what's fun about the question of the day is we're going to get thousands of responses. Now this is this is where you can go theoretical, selfish. Here's what I mean by that: you can ask a question where you can get a lot of insight. There's a lot of people watching, there'll be a lot of answers, so I tend to like to use it for focus groups. You can ask a random thing that's just been on your mind. It could be about something that's happening in culture, like on Netflix or on your app, or, or about the book or the concept or anything you want. What is your question of the day? I'm gonna go back to the question you got. What do we need to do to push for more creative problem solving in the world? What are your ideas? Who's doing it well? I'm just eager to learn people who are doing it well.